0: Without Borders with Collins and Wes. Uh, this is our fourth episode already. We've already done four of these, Collins, and uh, we're getting better and better at it, I think. So this is mm-hmm. Wes Gruder, checking in from Peter Maritzburg, South Africa.
1: And this is Collins H. from Kinshasa Democratic Republic of Congo.
0: Fantastic. So how has your, uh, your week been? How's your day? What's going on?
1: Wes, I've been up since uh, five, so since we got here, uh, Greta had this wonderful idea of getting us up early so we can pray as a family and just uh, get to support each other and uh so i i'm i'm already at seven i mean it's seven thirty and i'm already very tired <laughs> <laughs> because I'm so early and uh but i mean it's nice to just get to spend time with uh greater and the kids uh singing and praying i mean it's Time for us to sing some of our own songs. <laughs> Considering we are in a different context, so we get to sing our own songs and uh, as a family. It, it, it tires you out. No, I mean I do enjoy it, except that uh, when it's uh, the, for the Thursday schedule, it comes after a Wednesday busy sports day. So Wednesday is my sports day, and by the time I go to bed, I'm already. Very, very tired, and then to be up at uh, five a m is is a struggle
0: but Collins, you're the missionary you're you, you know I find it interesting you said it was her idea, not yours you're the missionary and and i'm guessing that you're the last one to get up out of bed to prepare for the five o'clock prayer is that
1: true yeah yeah was w- i 'm sharing my calling with this wonderful lady and uh, <laughs> I'm trying not to be selfish. Um, we, we, we are okay. we are missionaries, so I've transferred all the powers of uh, the morning prayer thing to her, so she does the morning prayers, and I just sit there and listen. And uh, I mean to be sincere, there are times when I I think my eyes start closing by themselves.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. I I usually wake up uh, between five and five thirty myself and have a little bit of quiet time before Leah gets up around six. But this morning, it, when I woke up, I immediately got a phone call from Mallory, um, mm. to talk about some little drama going on. And then uh, um, Chloe, um, who is in Colorado, saw that I was online, so she calls. So I had to deal mm. with two sets of daughters uh, before I even got going this morning. So, that, But that's a mm. good way to start the morning. But yeah, what a well, what a so, blessing! Yeah, yeah, we're blessed. So today we had decided that what we were going to talk about was the wonderful world of missionary training. And uh, between the two of us, we've actually been through three GBGM missionary trainings uh, because I've I had to go through training twice. Now I've always been a little bit like. A little bit uh uh frustrated by that i didn't know why i had to go through missionary training a second time after i'd already done it once however um you mm. see the value of it so i i let's let's start with you though collins i want to know what your uh, missionary training was like uh
1: what was that two years ago or so yeah that was in 2018 and um Yeah, yeah, I would say it was, I mean, we were a group of uh, eight persons from, if I'm not mistaken, uh, five different countries. So you had people from uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo, you had people from Kenya, you had uh, people from the U.S., and then you had uh, somebody from Zimbabwe, and then you had me coming from Cameroon. So it was a very diverse group and we were going to different places and I think that was just uh, uh, a reflection of uh, one of the slogans of uh, GBGM, which is from everywhere to everywhere, so our group was really representative of uh, this, uh, this uh, i'll call it slogan or, and uh, i mean so basically what we did for like two weeks was we were schooled through the gbgm procedures uh, financial procedures uh, communication procedures their uh, website and just uh, navigating uh, the gbgm uh, site and also on the gbgm structure like who does what and who, yeah. who who tend to if we have this or that issue and uh, it was also an opportunity for us to go visit the gbgm office in atlanta because i mean i don't know if i said it already our training was in atlanta so i had uh, i came in into atlanta and this was my first time to be in atlanta and also our first time at the GBGM office. So some of the GBGM staff came and met with us at the training venue. Mm. And uh, while, when we visited at the office, it was also an opportunity for us to meet with some of the staff there. But mm. I remember we also had some uh, discussions around conflict management styles. Uh, cross-cultural ministry and just sharing our call and, uh, our call story i think that's how they called it a call story with uh the other persons in our groups and uh, i think that's that's, um, that's uh that's I, I mean and i also remember we did a lot of praying together uh, meditating the word together and it was also my first time to uh, i mean i come from a context where we we don't have so many different praying styles, and oh, so this yeah. was the first about the centering prayer, mm-hmm. centering prayer. I think that's how she called it, and uh, my my GBGM missionary orientation uh, was also an opportunity for me to. Uh, uh, visit with CalPAC, uh, uh, California Pacific, because right after the training itself, we some of us went out for itineration, so it was an opportunity to visit with some churches and just get to, uh, to start uh, that conversation of building relationships for mission work in the different areas where we were going to be sent to. And I do remember also visiting Win- Wisconsin mm. and uh visiting uh Ocosh and Appleton and even uh Kenosha where there's uh, some racial strife at this time. Ooh. So you went Kenosha? In pay- wow. Yes, i paying special attention to what is happening there. Mm. And I do know um I mean some of the people I met there, they are just wonderful Christians, and I know there are some wonderful people there who love people independent of their race and skin color and things like that. So it's it's a difficult time for them, and I'm lifting them up in my prayers. Yeah, yeah, cool.
0: Well, just, just for those of you who are listening who may not know some of the jargon, I realized as you were talking, Collins, that we use... the the phrase GBGM, which of course means, stands for the General Board of Global Ministries of the United Methodist Church. So that is our, they're our sending agency. They're the ones that we actually work for, so to speak. And then you also use the word itineration. And we use the word itineration for the times when we as missionaries are uh, in the US and we just go from, we visit churches, in order to um, create relationships, awareness of what we're doing. And then, you know, quite honestly, frankly, we also know it's about fundraising. You know, it's about creating relationships sure. so we can raise money to, to pay for our work. So uh, anyway, for those of you who are listening and didn't know quite what those words meant, that's um, kind of the lingo we use, so.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, and Wes, coming back to you, I, I, I know you've been through two missionary training missionary orientation like we call it and uh i mean if i just want to invite you to share a little because i think after two missionary orientations you you might be one of the most uh trained missionaries <laughs> <laughs> well it is interesting um,
0: yeah well the first of all i think the word orientation is a better description than training and i think they've started using that terminology but when we went, so when, when Leah and I went to training back in 2004, it was called training. It was also two weeks, but this was back when um, GBGM was based in New York. So we stayed at a retreat center outside of New York and went into the city once or twice to meet the staff. Um, so I can also, I get, you know, I can say there I, I can talk about the contrast and difference between what it was like the first time in 2004 and the time uh, last year when I was in Atlanta uh, doing the same thing basically probably followed the same program you did in 2018 Mm. Um, Mm. but first of all I want to emphasize that that it's more an orientation I would say rather than a training because it's not a play. it's not where you go to learn how to do what you're going to be doing Mm. I would say it's more a what we'd call a human an HR exercise because what it is is it's helping you understand what you're going to be how to fill in the paperwork oh. how, to, how to get reimbursed how your oh. health insurance works uh, what the structure is who to go to with certain kinds of problems and all that is very important and all that's very good um, and like you said there's also an emphasis on praying together uh, telling, being able to tell your call story, and actually a lot of the time is spent preparing you to do itineration, so that you can go out and, and do the the raising of money. Um, but I think you know when Leah and I went in two thousand and four, we actually thought there'd be more training for the job, and and actually it kind of shocked us because uh, if I recall, Leah was specifically hired. As a missionary to be the area financial executive in Cameroon, which meant she Mm. was going to do the base the bookkeeping for the mission. And Mm. she told them, she was very clear with them that she didn't, that wasn't really her expertise. She was a teacher. And Mm. they told her, Well, as long as you can do basic bookkeeping, you can do this. So and, and they said they told her that they would train her. So when we went to missionary orientation, Leah thought it'd be a time she'd be trained in how to do her work. But that's not at all what it was. And so when she sat down with her supervisor, she said, okay, I still need to be trained to do this job. And and then she was told, well, it will be done once you get to Cameroon by the outgoing missionary. So she said, Okay, I'm I'm trusting that will happen. We got to Cameroon and the outgoing missionary didn't train her <laughs> for for i think basically because um there were still a lot of problems with the finances that he was trying to clean up and so literally mm-hmm. the day that he got on a plane and left cameroon he's finally sat down with her and and tried to do some training but it really set us so, so here's a negative okay it really set us off on the wrong foot in cameroon with the finances just And I think for the four years that we were there, we never, Leah Leah never felt like she really got on top of of, uh, a clear picture of what what our finances were and how they were being distributed and spent. And, you know, it was just, it was frustrating. So Mm -hmm. the first thing I would say is, you know, it's not training. and maybe this is a point that should be saved for a little bit later in the conversation. But another thing that it's not is it's not language school. There's oh. no attention to your specific cultural um, location. So I, I looking back on it, I think I should have I should have had some French uh, lessons before I ever left. Um, oh. Instead, again, we were told, well, Cameroon's bilingual. so. You'll be able to get a, you'll be able to manage. So you can take lessons once you get there. And again, I think that was a mistake, but uh, we can come back to that if we want. Um, okay. in con- it, when I compare the two orientations, though, I have to say there was a huge difference, huge difference. And it has to do with the difference between in the general secretary. I'm going to be completely honest. Uh, Mm -hmm. We've had Thomas Kemper has been the general secretary for the last 11 years, and he just retired, but we went through training uh, in the pre-Thomas Kemper era, and there was a different ethos, there was a different culture at GBGM. Um, Mm -hmm. For one thing, it was based in New York, and so it had a you know even just thinking about the office where it was located it was very corporate it was cold it was um it was very bureaucratic mm-hmm. and going last year to training and an orientation in atlanta and visiting the office it felt like a completely different place it was warm it was mm-hmm. relational personal and i also thought it was more uh, I don't know how to put it, but it was more Christian. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, it, just in the sense that um, I felt like that the the mission of God really was what, driving what everybody on staff was trying to do. Not only mm-hmm. it was it more explicit, and they talked about it more, but it just just had a different feeling. You know, you can you can just feel, and and to be honest, and you know, Thomas. Collins, Mm -hmm. and you've met him. But I think Mm -hmm. he had everything to do with that culture change. And part of it was moving from New York to Atlanta. That helped a lot. But also, Mm -hmm. I just think the way that he did things, um, the kind of personality that he had, so friendly and Mm -hmm. warm. I mean, Mm -hmm. so I really felt like um, that there was a huge difference. And I felt more comfortable I feel more comfortable being on the mission field uh, mm. now than I did in Cameroon, uh, just feel simply good. because I feel more uh, confident in the leadership. Okay. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Now, does that mean there could be room for improvement? Yes, there's still room. There's always room for improvement. And, and I think that's what you kind of want to talk about is kind of talk about the whole process of sending missionaries. What else is it that, what is it that missionaries really need um before they go on the mission field? That that maybe yeah. perhaps you're not getting now.
1: Yeah, I mean I think you've you've said some of it already, but I would love to come back to four things, and I know they are more than just four things. And the first one is uh is missio um, dei uh, That and I think that's something that uh, Thomas uh, really emphasized. And that's something that he promoted. uh, Getting everybody to understand that it's uh, God's mission and that we are a part of it. Mm -hmm. And it's a blessing to be a part of it. And just letting us know that, and I mean, there's there's, something about this uh, Missio Dei that has been a strength for me in the mission field, is I remember Thomas and I think Judy also said it and uh, some others. Uh, said it during our time at the orientation, is that God has gone before us. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's something that I've kept really close to my heart for this uh, last two years that I've been here. And it's 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 a different feeling just understanding that uh, God has gone before us and that God is there. He showed up even before we, we arrived at right. our place of assignment. And uh, that's something that a lot of emphasis needs to be laid on that also. Just getting those who are being uh, trained in quotes as uh, missionaries understand that it is God's mission. Because, I mean, uh, missing that understanding often gets, uh, I mean, I've been there before, gets you to that level where you want to do things by yourself. I mean, you feel pressure of uh, accomplishing things. But understanding that it's God's mission gives you the opportunity, even in difficult times, to say, OK, God, I mean, this is your thing. Mm-hmm. How do we go about it? It's your mission. So uh, in the midst of these challenges, well, what are you proposing? What, what's your plan? What, what's your plan for me in this situation? Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's something. Um, Does't well,
0: it, it also I just if I can add something to this, it also uh, removes the arrogance that so many missionaries of the past have had that mm.
2: the
0: the, thing, the attitude that oh i'm bringing I'm bringing Jesus to you. I'm bringing mm. you. you you are a, a hopeless pagan and heathen. you don't know anything, so I'm here mm. to tell you and to inform you, uh, here's God, here's Jesus, you know. So it totally changes that that um, your expectations. And to be honest, I remember. I mean, in my first missionary orientation in two thousand four, this was that was also a message that was 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 delivered. Um, but I definitely think that Thomas Kemper had doubled down on that message and emphasized mm-hmm. it and talked about it all the time, and I think that has made a difference to the entire uh, culture. And really, you know even his slogan from from everywhere to everywhere."
2: Mm.
0: you know, that's powerful if you really think about it. it It, it mm-hmm. does what that means is God is already out in the world. Um, all we can do is make ourselves available to where we might be needed in that work. Mm. And so that means people from everywhere can 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 throw their hands up and say i'm I'm available, send me." Mm. And then they could go anywhere, you know that's, yeah, exactly. awesome. and that's a, a different way of thinking, so yeah i I agree with you.
1: yeah, and another thing I wanted to add to that is uh, just just the the fact that I mean missionary work is is uh, to a greater extent, and I know there are some missionaries who are serving in their countries of origin who are actually in their context. And, but I know a majority of missionaries with whom we were trained were going to leave uh, the country they call home to a different place. And this means that they would be involved, engaged in ministry across uh, cultures. and. I mean, it's, it's, and I think I shared this already, that for me, serving within Africa, I was born in Africa, I grew up in Africa, but just moving from one country to another is cross-cultural ministry, yeah. because this context is different from what I'm used, used to. The culture here is different from what I'm used to. And um, it's, it's just challenging if you don't have those cross-cultural competences yeah. that you to communicate across cultures, that uh, gives you that capacity of just staying quiet and understanding what things would imply in the context, in the culture in which you are seven. So I would think that uh, missionary training for the 21st century would involve a lot of uh, cultural schooling on what culture really is different components of culture and just uh, getting the missionary ready for ministry across cultures. And uh, so that's, that's something. Did
0: did you feel like you got that in, in your mission orientation?
1: I mean, I think we got uh, some, some little bit of that. I would suppose that some should be added to that. We even had a book. I don't remember the title. It was Crossed cross-cultural servanthood. I think that was the book we yes. had to read. Yes. But I would I would think that we would need to have more conversation about uh, ministry across culture, cross-cultural ministry, and just helping the um, missionary understand what it really means to serve in a different context, in a different culture, and just how to approach that. And uh, <clears throat> I think the third thing is, and I think COVID, this COVID 19 pandemic has come to emphasize uh, the third thing I want to talk about, which is uh, just the use of technology. Yeah. I, mean, uh, I, I think uh, from everywhere to everywhere really means that people are coming from different backgrounds, from different places where technology is available at different levels and where they've been exposed to technology at different levels. And uh, today, I think we are seeing that in how different minist- uh, missionaries struggle mm-hmm. to stay connected mm-hmm. just because not all of us come in with the same uh, technological competences. Yeah, And I think that's something that um, they might want to add in the orientation uh, as because we never know what is going to happen next that is going to keep uh, people from moving from one place to another just helping uh, some missionaries will come for orientation without all the skills about virtual itineration and virtual meetings and just the use of these different platforms for missionary work get gain a better understanding of how to use uh, Ict for for mission work because I think it's today a big part of uh, reaching out to different communities or just keeping people in relationships mm-hmm. as we seek to make disciples for Christ. and um, so yeah. I think this 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 few things are something are things that I would suggest that we we add yeah to sure. this mission missionary orientation thing.
0: Yeah, there was three things. You had four things, I thought.
1: Was were you counting?
0: I, I'm counting. Yes, I am. So what was so the first thing? Did you did you just get rid of it because it was too controversial?
1: <laughs> maybe, maybe. But, but I mean, what I would like to say as the fourth thing is. I, I I, mean, even with all of this, even with all of what I've proposed, and probably with all of what you would add to what I've already said, missionary orientation would never really prepare a missionary for the field. Ah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no matter how much training, I mean, even if um, we, yeah. we missionary orientation was extended for six <laughs> months, yeah. it, it, will, it will never prepare you for the mission field. Yeah, because um, the, the, the the different contexts and uh, different realities. I mean, how do you? Uh, I don't know if you you you've been through this, but I think in your 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 first a- assignment, you had to struggle with this, this the the rejection that comes from your host community upon your arrival. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. they're welcoming, but they are careful. Yeah, because a stranger and they want to get to know you. They want to get to understand what your intentions are before they really get into relationship with you. So I mean, how would missionary orientation prepare you for this? So this is something you just have to navigate and uh, exercise a lot of patience and stuff like that. Or how would missionary orientation prepare you for a nine hours uh, ride on a motorbike? into some distant village area where there's no internet coverage, no telephone coverage, no potable water and stuff like that. It's, it's oh. just so hard for missionary orientation to prepare you for some of the realities that you would face in the field. And I think that's where the the Holy Spirit comes into play. And we, we, just, we just say Spirit take control and lead us and inspire us and guide us as we, we serve i mean you, you understand take what wheel
0: that's what we say jesus take the wheel <laughs> yeah yeah
2: no yeah, you're, you're
0: right and you know missionary training has changed a lot uh, in the methodist church i do think if i'm if i'm remembering correctly it used to be uh i, I can't remember three or six months of training there used to be this long period where you had to go and you, and you lived in, I think you stayed in New York somewhere and you you did a longer uh, training. Um, I'm also remembering in Cameroon, if you'll recall, there is a very large community of missionaries, mostly from America who are there to translate the Bible. Um, mm-hmm. Called SIL, yes, you know. SIL. So one of the things they do in their missionary training is when you get to Cameroon you have to spend the first uh, like they do something in the city they do some training in the city and then they make you go out into a village and you have to do this like two weeks in the village or maybe it's longer where you have Mm. to live just like um the indigenous people you have to you have to live in the same kind of uh, shelter eat the same food you have to go you know if you have to walk to 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 carry water And I think there's a lot of value in that. Like just the idea of going and living in a context for a while, not trying to do anything is Mm. just to learn context. I think there's a lot of value in that. So there are perhaps other exercises, other things that could be done. Um, I already mentioned that, you know, I I really feel like I was at a disadvantage arriving in Cameroon and not knowing French and Uh having to learn it as i went and i was so busy all the time that i don't think i ever really focused on the language because i had other things i had to do so Uh i think that's that's one area that could you know that needs to be thought about of course every context is different the other thing the other thing i think we need to take into consideration is that that the methodists do missionary do the whole missionary thing differently than some other organizations. For example, with SIL, you know, they, those people who became missionaries for SIL, they had to raise, they had to raise their money before they went onto the mission field. So they spent a year or more before they've ever come to Cameroon, just raising money for themselves to live on for the next couple of years. And so as missionaries, and one thing I've always valued as a Methodist missionary is we don't have to do that. You know, we get mm. accepted as missionaries. We go serve three years, just, sh- just shy of three years on the mission field, and then we go back and raise money. And I think mm. that, that's a lot of freedom in that. You don't, have to, you don't have to spend time raising money, trying to get the money so that you can do the work. You get to go mm. do the work and then come home and tell the story and raise the money. Now, Mm -hmm. I don't know how much longer the Methodist Church is going to be able to sustain that model, though, because with, first of all, the pandemic, right? So Mm -hmm. there's a lot less money being paid to GBGM to do missionary work. Mm -hmm. And then second of all, if the church splits next year, that's another, you know, it's another major loss of income that would go to help us missionaries. So I'm really a bit worried, wondering what is, what is global ministries going to do? Um, Are they going to stop sending missionaries? Like, are they going to bring some missionaries home? Um, Mm. Or are they going to start requiring missionaries to do even more fundraising? But I do. I do. I'm a little bit concerned about the the future of the way we we do things. Have you given much thought to that yourself? Yes,
1: yes, was I mean, we. Uh, I think I shared I shared this story in one of our podcasts already about going to doing itineration and going through this church right after the special general conference and just trying to share the story and do some fundraising and just build some relationships so people get to understand and uh, relate to my mission service and uh, just just getting that uh, that resistance from people not uh, saying, oh, you, 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 you Africans voted for this or that plan," and so we are not supporting. And I think that's that's kind of yeah uh, yeah climate within the church. And so I mean, I've been concerned about if if this could happen at a local church. And I would suppose this is the situation with some other local churches. This is not just the only one. Mm-hmm. So wh- what's what's the impact that this kind of uh, comprehension of the situation is going to have on given because i mean you said it all already we we are so blessed to have gbgm through this donation send us out into the mission field without that wait that load of uh, fundraising and all of that but I think part of our job is also doing fundraising and yeah. uh, just trying to support our different ministries and uh, yeah. but it's 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 a, a great call for concern, particularly at this time of uncertainty about the future of the United Methodist Church and it's something we pray about when Greta and I wake up at five <laughs> <laughs> the future of the church and just the future of uh our calling as a missionary family but we we trust god for the future and we look yeah. into the future you with know.
0: hope yeah that's all that's all we can do well all right well this has been uh another great great chat great conversation and and again i feel like boy we just barely scratched the surface there's so much more we could we could say um, I am grateful for my missionary orientation, and I know you are too, um, yeah. but it is interesting as well just to reflect, now that we're in the mission field, to look back and say, you know, wow, how much, you know, was there something different that should have been, is there something I missed, or something I wish I had been told? Um, uh. I, let me close with this though. I remember something from the first orientation that has stuck with me ever since, and that's the the person who said um, that missionary work is messy. It's just messy. And what he meant was, you know, it's it's never going to be as simple as you think it is. It's going to be complicated, it's messy. Um, you make mistakes, other people make mistakes. You disappoint people, other people will disappoint you. But, mm-hmm. but as I recall, they pointed to the book of Acts and said, Look at the book of Acts, look at the early church. It was messy for a lot of them. It was not easy mm-hmm. in the book of Acts. So it's not going to be easy wherever you're going. And that stuck with me. And it's certainly been true. And just decided to be patient and be okay with the mess. So, all right. Well, Thanks for uh, thanks for sharing your thoughts, and thanks for all of you for listening. Uh, this is episode four. We we continue to 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 move forward on the podcast. We even have some special plans of having a special guests in the future. Uh, we're not ready to announce any yet, but keep listening, and we'll let you know when we have our first special interview guest. Thanks, Collins. I hope you have a great week.
1: Yeah, thank you, Wes. And it's always uh, great joy as I look forward to our different conversations.
0: Okay, take care and peace out.
1: Peace out, bro.